and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me once again after quite a long break, Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing, man? Good. I mean, it's the season's right around the corner, and it's always good to be back, you know, but, you know, it's been a little bit crazy, a little bit busy, but, you know, like it, it with everything changing at quite the rapid pace that they are, you know, said it's it's turning up to be an exciting, you know, year to co- upcoming. Yeah, I, I kind of want to start off here and uh, fall on the sword for the show not really continuing the past month or two or three, however long it's been that we've been really consistent. Uh, I had the brilliant idea to go back to grad school um, and to take two courses at the same time from January to March. And I got ran over in, in trying to do that. So now that those classes are over, I hope, I hope I can be more consistent and, uh, be putting out more content, but that was a, that was a brutal stretch there. So I apologize to everybody. Just in the nick of time for the start of the season though, Kirk. And that's true. That's true. The timing was okay. Um, so like Josh said, we we're getting the season started here in a couple of weeks. Uh, LAFC is already playing scrimmages. Uh, I haven't really seen any video. I think I may have seen one clip um, on Twitter. Josh, have you seen anything about these games that they've been playing? Not at all. I mean, I, don't, I know the first one was an inter-squad scrimmage, right? It was, and that was I think last week sometime. And then the only thing I've seen since since then has been like the leaked picture of the new sp- jersey sponsor. So, you know, uh, and I right. keep I keep looking around to see if I can find anything, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, I think the Jersey release is going this Sunday, if I remember correctly. Yeah. From what I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the season starts on April 17th with LAFC hosting Austin. Um, I think that will be, it seems like LAFC may have this niche now. I mean, last year we played, uh, Miami and their opener, and now we get Austin and their opener. I, I I don't know if that's just ESPN or MLS wanting to bill like one of the larger teams to make sure that all the eyeballs get planted on the new team. I, I'm not sure what that's about, but it does seem to be a, uh, a trend here. Um, and the rest of the schedule, I mean, pretty unremarkable, aside from the fact that they're just really not playing any Eastern Conference teams. I think we play two Eastern Conference teams the entire season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's it's not very many, but obviously, you know, we weren't going to have the type of schedule that we all wanted, where we can set our travel dates and get ready to go and do the away day thing. All things considered, so you know, like I'm 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 willing to give the league a pass given the current situation of the pandemic. You know, obviously we're heading in the right direction, but you know, at this point, they you know you kind of have to get make do with what you have. You know, it's better than playing everyone 17 times like you did. It's a better than last last season, I will say that. But yeah, still, absolutely. obviously, not what not what we want in the long run. But from yeah. what the guys on Extra Time said, they didn't note that, you know, this is a one-off, you know, one-season thing, and then the goal is to continue to move back to our more, towards a more traditional schedule. You know, whether that's better or not remains to be seen. Um, My opinion on that is if it's, moving us towards a table format, uh, then it's better. If it means that every team in MLS is eventually going to play each other once, 
or we're going to move to only Western conference play and that you're, you're placed on the table accordingly. And then there's just like one championship game. I think that's a little bit better, but um, yeah, I, I really don't know what the answer is. I think, I think at this point, my preference would be, yeah, go to 35 teams and then play 34 games. Why not? Everybody plays each other once in a giant round robin of a season and top of the table wins. Um, we all know that's not going to happen though. Not in this league. Yeah. There's all also right, too much, there's too much money to be made from playing El Trafico and you know, the, yeah. the Orlando Atlanta games 17 times in a row. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, it is, you, you, you just know that they would never let that fly where it's like, the, well, there has to be a home and away. Um, people need to be able to travel home and away or whatever it is. But anyway, all right, let's get into this, Josh. Um, let's talk about the roster a little bit. Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think we've recorded since, uh, since LAFC, since the transfer window, really, since the January transfer window. Um, the big marquee signing uh, this this window so far was Kim Moon Hwan from Korea. I don't remember the name of his club. Do you remember the name of his club off the top of your head? Mm-hmm, I can't. Um, no, I don't remember, actually. So he's a 25-year-old uh, right back. He looks to be uh, pretty good. I, I, I admittedly haven't watched a whole lot of his film. Um, I think I'm going to do that next week and I'll try and publish some sort of film review on, on our Substack. Um, but I think it, it adds an interesting competition between him and Tristan Blackman, who I think has been really good in terms of like, like relative to, uh, to MLS. Um, and if he's going to be a staple on the back line, I think this is a, this is going to be a great signing. Yeah, I mean, for the last two seasons, it's, I mean, at least since, you know, Beta and and Harvey kind of aged out, if you will, you know, we've, we've, it it felt like you were missing a little something, you know, from the back end on. And we, we hope that Andy Nahar would be the answer there last year. And, you know, clearly wasn't. And then the injuries and, and I mean, obviously not just the injuries, but, you know, moving Walker without a clear, you know, move in sight there, you know, with it, you know, or I think it was Blackman got hurt. Right. And that's why, um, you didn't really have a, a guy that was, or to step in, um, at center back last year. And I think, um, you know, what am I blanking on his name? The guy that was playing center back for most of the year, Yakovic, you know, who was serviceable and did what he had to, but obviously he's not the, the same quality that Walker was in years past, um, you know, I think we expected Blackman to step in there, but obviously wasn't the case given, um, you know, I think he looked, has looked good at times, but I think the play from the right side of the pitch was something that just had to be addressed and Blackman was your best option there. So, you know, obviously I think this gives you options moving forward and gives you a little more flexibility to rotate some of those pieces there and hope that you can find, more solidity kind of just with a defense built around Segura and, um, and Mario. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest, 
the biggest win in the offseason is is actually purchasing Jesus Murillo's contract and um and keeping him here. Now you have how old is he? He's uh 27. So you have a guy that's that's in his prime playing in MLS. And this isn't to say that um he's going to be a complete world beater, but he's going to be a um I don't know, what would you say, top seven to ten center back in MLS, right? So he's going to be a stalwart for you on the back line, and he's probably not looking to make any bigger moves unless things go really crazy, maybe. Um, but you have a you have a pairing that you can see will be together for a while, or at least a guy that's going to be there um, after Segura leaves, if he, if he does. So I think those two there, and then you add, like you said, Moon Juan to to the right, and you still have Blackman that you can put in, and you've got Palacios out on the left. Um, I think this back line, uh, this back line can get back to what we saw back in what year was that? Now twenty nineteen. They're all blending together um, when you had Walker and Segura, and you you were able to just kind of shut teams down completely. Um, and you could, you could be a little more aggressive with your fullbacks. You could be a little more aggressive with your midfield because you had, uh, two solid center backs back there. And I, 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 based on what we saw in champions league in December, I, I really do think that Segura and Mario can, can perform similarly. Yeah. And I think, I think the schedule is the biggest consideration in how this, you know, and I think with with how this defense is now constructed, because I think there's a you know we're wondering probably wondering okay who's going to be the starter right back, is you know where does Blackman who they've had big plans for for the last couple of years really fit into everything, and you know I think given what you know how quickly games are going to come, right? And, you know we should be two weeks into the season at this moment, right? Two three weeks into the season, you know, yeah. and so. Given that we're about a month behind the, the how these games are going to compact each other, you know, get more compacted, is going to now weigh heavily on the fitness of the roster, and so you would hope at that point that that's where having you know solid options um, all over the pitch are, is going to help, you know, and you have you know you have to think you're probably now, you know, what you at least have three set a rotation of three center backs and you know and you're too deep at both fullbacks positions where. We don't even know who, if we had a fullback at one point on the right, right? We were playing a left back out of position on the right-hand side at one point in the season, you know, hoping that Elmo, you know, was going to do what he could. But, you know, at least now at this point, you're starting the season loaded in there, loaded in those positions and ready for a, a season that's going to come quickly, right? And it's going to come, and the games are going to come quickly, and it's going to be a lot. And so I think that's where, you know, you see it across across every sport, you know, in, and even in the big leagues, in the um, big European leagues at this point, how injuries have taken their toll in, in this compact season. You know, look at Liverpool, how decimated they've been. And some of these other teams that just, just you know, guys are dropping like flies because it's just too many games. And so, you know, or the NBA, look, you know, like half the Lakers are out at this point. And mm-hmm. so you kind of look at how this dynamic will go. And, you know, I'm, I'm now a lot more confident in this roster build than I think I was going into last season for sure. Right. Right. 
All right, so that kind of takes care of the back line. Um, I guess we didn't really talk about Marco Farfan, who they picked up from the Timbers. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about where he's going to play, left back or right back, um, despite Serginio Dest scoring an absolute banger from right from left back today. Uh, I'm generally not a fan of right-footed left backs because I think they get easily trapped in possession. Um, now Dest is a, is a crafty enough player. He's good enough with his left that he can kind of wiggle his way away from pressure. I don't know if that's the case with Farfani. He's another guy that I really haven't watched a whole lot of. Um, so I, I, my initial instinct though, when putting a right footed player at left back is to say, ah, I'm not too sure if that's what we want to do. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see how that goes. I mean, Harvey's still on the roster. I don't know how much longer his 37-year-old legs are going to be capable of getting him up and down the field to play fullback, or if he's more like center back depth at, at this point. I, I really don't know. Um, but I, I don't see them making any more moves for a left back, um, at least in this window or the, or this season. So... Anything on Farfan, Josh? I mean, I think the thing to consider is he's he's been a left back since he's came into the league, I think, you know, for mm-hmm. Portland, you know, and then even in his national team stints, that's where he's played. So unlike when we were playing, you know, a left-footed fullback on the right this past season, right, where he really limits them, you know, what he's done, I think Farfan's been one that, you know, he's been on that side through the majority of his MLS career. So... Am I a little bit more confident in that than I would be last year in having when you know when we had that you know the depth of issues on the right side? Absolutely, just because I think there's a little bit more season. You know, he's got more experience there than you typically would um, from a guy yeah, that's going to play. You know, from some of the guys that are playing inverted. You know, um, on last year even. You know, so in this case, I think you're getting a situation where he's coming and having played that position before. You know, so it's not not anything new to him, you know, and then, you know, the question is just what are they going to ask him to do? Is he going to tuck in a little bit more, you know, and, and then let, you know, does that free up the, the midfielder to crash a little bit more where Farfan's going to sit on that left-hand side a little bit deeper, you know, kind of the way that Beta used to do at times, you know, or, you know, or are they going to have him overlap in the way that, you know, Palacios is going to for the most majority of the game? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, moving to the midfield. Um, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're game for this, but uh, I I'm wondering if you would be willing to rank the six midfielders on the roster, six, maybe seven. It depends on how you count Raheem Edwards um, in terms of how much you trust them to to be on the field. Um, give that a see. shot. Yeah, so I mean, I think Atuesta, you got Black uh, Blessing, Sifuentes, mm-hmm. Duke, Edwards, Janela, and K. So I think you're going Atuesta is not, is obviously your number one midfielder. He's your, mm-hmm. you know, after Carlos Vela, he's the, you know, him and Rosier are probably tied for second on the on the next person that you put on the list, right? Yeah. Um, and then after so. After Atuesta, you're going Cifuentes, and then I think K. Um, 
blessing is one that, you know, whereas I think it's interesting because I think he's high, he's rated properly from the majority of people, but when I, you know, but overrated by a lot of the league for various reasons, because I don't think people understand what his actual role is on the team. And then some of the, you know, because he's, he's basically a Swiss army knife, right? They've been able to do a lot of Mm -hmm. things with him and he affects the game in so many different ways. But the things that you need him to do in in tight games, he's just not capable. At least, ha- or at least hadn't shown it yet. You know, again, he's a young, he's still young, still has opportunity to develop. You know, same thing with K, right? Where he does a lot of good things. You know, is he a starting caliber? You know, maybe even borderline all star in the league, absolutely. But are there? Th- is he always going to leave something to be desired? Yes. You know, whereas mm-hmm. I think. Sefuentes has, you know, has shown that potential and then has the ability to move beyond, you know, an MLS quality player. Um, Janela remains to be seen, right? So I think he's, he, he still falls behind, a twi- I mean, behind uh, K and, and Blessing. And then probably, you know, at that point, you, you're looking at Duke and then um, Raheem. I mean, I don't even want to think about Raheem Edwards because. I think he's been a right back for you know in most of his the other stops he's been, you know, or a right right sided midfielder in like a four four two. So yeah, where he fits yeah. in where he fits in on our team, I don't know. You know, other than depth. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I would rate them in the exact same order, except I would switch blessing and K. So blessing would be my third midfielder. But I realize that in doing that, I say that um, there's a, there's a bit of redundancy in my midfield as a result of having Sifuentes and Blessing, um, assuming I'm playing those three together. That is, um, I think, like you said, um, Sifuentes is clearly the number two, but he does so much of the same stuff that Blessing does that I think those two are more of like the the like for like subs, right? Whereas mm-hmm. I think they would really like to have somebody else that does more of the like traditional kind of eight role that, that K tends to play, um, driving the ball forward, being able to help set the rhythm of the game and still being able to find good passes in the final third, like the final pass, especially. And it's something that, that K is quite capable of in MLS. And like you said, he's, you know, above average borderline all-star definite starter. Um, But you see the cracks start to form when it's up against different competition. You and I have talked about this relentlessly to the point where people think that we, we hate these guys, which is really not the case. Um, It's just what, what do you expect from this club? Do you expect them to win CCL? Do you expect them to, win consistently in the playoffs well then you need a little something more um but anyway um otherwise i have them i have them the exact same and i don't don't think Uh, that's not to say that some of those things can't be developed right and another year you know i think that's that's while while i think there's some frustration from the fan base in terms of right we didn't make big splashy signings those types of things you know we didn't see you know Sergio Aguero put you know come into the team or whatever you know whatever you know mm-hmm. pie in the sky move that some people have been asking for um 
but I think when you think about who wins, you know, who wins in MLS, right? It's not that it's generally not teams that are selling guys on for, you know, $20 million, right? Mm-hmm. The, the only one that's been able to do that and still win has been Atlanta. But then after that, they were a dumpster fire the following year, you know, with, with PT. Um, mm-hmm. But then you look at, for example, you know, like who's being, you know, wh- which teams are moving players onto Europe. It, it's the mid, it's kind of the mid, mid, mid table teams, right? The Dallas's of the world, you know, you have, um, Phil, you know, Philadelphia obviously moved on Aronson and they, you know, were a top contender last year, but you're going to see yeah, some drop off. Yeah, you're definitely going to, but I think you're going to see some drop off from them this next year and as they try mm-hmm. to figure things out in the post Aronson world, you know, and, and you know Red Bull, you know, you know, when March was there, obviously we're competing. But now, you know, these teams that are that tend to be more selling aren't ones that compete, right? It's the teams right. that have these right. grizzled MLS veterans are the you know, and then you and then you plug in a guy who's a world beater like a Nico Lodero into a Seattle Sounders team, and then that's how you win MLS Cup. Yeah, I mean, LAFC, look at, look at Columbus, right? Yeah. Columbus and LAFC and has is on DP money, right? For sure. And, you know, I mean, obviously they brought in Zillariana, and I think that changed their fortunes yeah. quite a bit because he's a guy that, you know, pulls the strings and does all those everything and makes guys around him better, you know, and that's who Carlos Vela is for us. But I think at the same time, having, you know, like I think I'm more, the, when I think about it, I'm more sold on having that core come back for another round of it. If your intent is to win ML when to, is to win trophies, right? If yeah. your goal is to, to, to be a selling team at all times, then, you know, you're not going to compete every year, but if you're trying to have a mix of both, you have to have a core that's consistent. And I think that's where now you see guys like K will stick around for a while. Um, you know, obviously Bella and then, you know, the back line now at this point is probably one that it's, yeah. it's pretty solidified at this point. Well, I mean, I think, I, I think that's legitimately a good thing. I mean, a guy like Kay, who's 26, if you can keep him um, on a team friendly contract and he's happy and the team is happy and, you know, he's getting looks from his national team as a result of his play with LAFC, there's no better scenario than that, right? That's exactly what you want in, in filling out your roster in MLS. Uh, I, I think uh, you just have to, you just have to know that a guy like Kay is going to need an Atuesta around him and some good attack, some legitimate attacking quality in front of him to make, sh- to, to get you over the international hump. Um, but in terms of building your roster as set forth by, the powers that be in MLS, that's, that's what you need to lean on. Like you said. Um, and so to like you, to have these more veteran players like Mario or K or, you know, whoever it is, I get, I, it's, um, I'm trying to think of another one here that would kind of fit that same like late twenties profile, but uh, even, even moon, right. Who's 25 years old. I think, I think these are the guys that you can really, build around you build a solid foundation then you put a couple of uh really fancy pieces around them and maybe lafc stops chasing uh stops chasing the next big signing and 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 sale and we don't bring in the hortas and the and the rodriguez's 
um, anymore. And we go for a more surefire thing, but I guess only time will tell. So. Well, but I think that's where the young money, the young money initiative is going to yeah. help out a team like yeah. LAC that has a scouting network to bring in these young talented pieces, but at the same time also has a desire to win, you know, win trophies. Right. So to right. have that flexibility to do a little bit of both, right. To have a core, but then bring in guys like that, that you can fit in around and develop and then sell on, you know, that, that I think, like I said, I think the young money initiative, even though we haven't seen the team flex their flex their muscles in that way yet quite yet, I think is something that is going to set this team up up well in the future. Right. Right. Especially with guys that aren't homegrowns already. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, let's say Bryce Duke this, this year puts it all together and he becomes uh, a rotational starter, right? He's a homegrown player. So as far as I know, he can still, they can sign him to essentially whatever, as long as it's not a DP level contract and it's not going to count against salary cap. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Jose Cifuentes or Edward Atuesta um, are not homegrown, right? And I think we we missed the boat on signing Atuesta to to this t- sort of contract. But a guy like Cifuentes, who's still 22, you could potentially sign this year to one of these contracts and lock him up for three years before you really have to make it rain and, and pay him. Do yeah. I have that right? I think so. And but to be fair, at us at this point probably deserves DP money. So, you know. Right, of course. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody'd be disappointed if Rodriguez left and they said, you know what, we're just gonna we're gonna go with with Atuesta. I mean, he might be. I don't know. <laughs> he might be ready to move. Uh I don't know. But all right. So on to the forwards. Um I mean, you still have the the three DPs up there, Rossi, Vela, and obviously Rodriguez is out on loan to, uh, what's the name of the club again? Almera. Yes, in, La, in the Spanish second division. The Spanish second league. He's got five appearances and one assist. Um, doesn't seem to be going super well. Uh, I, do you remember off the top of your head, Josh, what his buyout? Did we ever get those details? I don't think so, um, because I think there, there, there was an option, but I want to say, me, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anything that really got released for, as regard to. Him. I yeah. think there was an option to buy, um, but I don't think there was anything that was released. I mean, that's going to be a big number because they're still going to want to turn a profit on the contract, and they paid what eleven million for him, and I think, uh, I think Penuel still owns. Maybe as much as half. I don't know if it's half of his rights, but they own a significant portion of his sell-on rights. So uh, the club's going to be looking to recoup their money if they do sell him. Um, and it appears that I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if this is the move for him. He might have to come back and try again next year. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like he's closed the door on his LAFC career. Obviously, he. This was a move that he's wanted an opportunity that he's wanted. So, you know, and the team kind of granted. And so again, it, it really just depends whether, and the question though is, you know, what, if, should he come back, does he make them better? And that's, that's kind of a weird place to be at with your third DP, right? And a guy that you paid a significant amount of money for. So, you know, ultimately the, the question will come down to, 
I think for him, if he continues to perform at, at the national team level and some of the different opportunities that he'll have coming up, because, you know, I don't know if Uruguay is in the, you know, maybe he's an Olympic call-up. I don't know if they're in, if they're, if they're competing for an Olympic spot, but you know, you know, some of these competitions that'll come over the next year, I think there's opportunities for him to now raise his value outside of what he's been able to show at LAFC or in Spain. Right. And I mean, that's a national team with a high enough profile that if, if he goes into, I don't know, Copa America and scores two or three goals and has assists and looks good, teams are going to come knocking. That's like, it's a, it's a high profile tournament. It's a high profile national team and people from around the world are going to be interested if he performs well. So I think you're right there that his, that his future club career depends a lot on what he does with his national team, especially this year. If he, I mean, I, if he turns it on with LAFC, all bets are off and, and he could, you know, start thinking about going wherever he wants again. But, uh, as of right now, it looks it looks tough. Um, so we talked about the DPs, notable signings. LAFC picked up Corey Baird from RSL, uh, and to me, Corey Baird is a striker. He might be the starting striker on this team right now. Um, I know that he's played in the midfield and on the wings before. Uh, I'm not sold on him there. I, I mean, I think he's fine. He's been productive at RSL at those positions, but uh, given his profile and what LAFC needs, to me, he's your starting number nine at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he he's shown the ability to do a lot of the things that LAFC like, and then it also he's also kind of a guy that knows how to drift into that, you know, drift in and out the way that, you know, Christian Ramirez did, you know, and then the question just becomes, you know, does he have a little bit more of the end product, right? Um, You know, he's going to drop deep. He's going to be able to combine. He's going to be able to float both to the left and to the right and let Rossi and Vela do their thing. You know, the, the interesting thing is, like I said, when, when you have a guy like Roberto Firmino who does it with um, Liverpool, you have two guys who are, are you know who make the run those hard runs in behind, right? This situation is a little bit different because Vela's not the kind of guy who is going to make a hard run, you know, to behind right. you know try to get in behind. He's a guy that likes the ball at his feet. That's going to do make do different things in the mold of like a Leo Messi cutting in off the right hand side. You know that's what mm-hmm. Bob envisioned for him, and so that's where sometimes when they they've done some of the false nine stuff. I'm like, hmm, it doesn't quite fit in the way that I think I was expecting it to be because then I didn't I didn't have kind of that I didn't really see the issue that Vela wasn't making those runs. So then it comes a bit redundant, especially if, you know, now at that point you it's just Rossi making that run and then it becomes a little bit more one dimensional. So I think at times you actually saw I think it was in the MLS's back tournament when Rodriguez and Rossi were making those runs off, you know, off of the center forward dropping, that was actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And so I think it works a little bit better in that sense. But I wonder, you know, if this is more of a, like, if you're going to see a little bit more of what Christian Ramirez did, which is weird to say because we were all frustrated with his lack of production. But at the same time, I think 
I was kind of a, a, more than others, definitely higher on his movement because I think it allowed Vela to operate a little bit more efficiently than he was then at times when Dia was on the field or other other some of the other center boards. Yeah, I mean that there was a stretch there where that was the you know the best they looked was with Ramirez leading the line. And I think what what everybody really got frustrated with Ramirez was just so many near misses, right? So many uh blown tap ins that it's it's almost inexplicable how could anybody sky that many wide open shots over the bar or push them just wide. Uh, I think, I think that was it. I mean, if Ramirez had buried more of those chances, he might still be with the team. I don't, I don't know. Whereas Dio was the one, you know, he would, he would make space for himself and just fire rockets. A very accurate shooter, very good with the ball at his feet. And like you said, Ramirez is this poaching kind of, character and i think i think you are right that baird can do the same thing i think he's fast enough he's certainly faster than musovsky who um is probably good for six or seven mls goals assuming he starts you know 15 games um but again at the international level it just looks far far too slow and overwhelmed to be able to to be effective so for me, that's, I mean, based on the roster right now, I'm not saying Corey Barrett is going to, should be LAFC starting striker. Uh, if I were John Thornton and I had an unlimited amount of money to spend, I would go out and sign another striker in the mold of uh, of Dio, or at least in that same profile of, of signing. Um, not necessarily the same type of player, but um, I, think you're, I think you're okay going into MLS play with Corey Baird based on what you've seen from this team in the past couple of years. Um, well, and see. I think yeah. just like the, the, the rotation at the back, I think that's, that's kind of the thing, what they're, it seems like they're playing, right? You, you know, Musovsky is good for something, right? He's mm-hmm. not, he's not a no one at this point. Um, and I think at that point, you, you understand that you're going to need bodies to get through a slog of a season. And so that, that's going to mean you have basically a rotation of Baird, Musovsky, and Apoku, right? Kind of rotating yeah. around Rossi and Bella at this point, you know, and obviously mm-hmm. those guys will probably sit some games as well, you know, but again, like with it's seven teams that make the playoffs, right? And those interconference games matter a lot. And that's where you're going to have to, you know, it, it's going to come down, right? You're going to, there's going to be midweek games against a random opponent that you don't probably care as much about. Whereas you're going to have to win these six pointers, right? Those home and aways against the galaxy, against San Jose, against these teams. And so that's where I think you'll see this, this bigger rotation of guys. I think more than we were, were used to seeing come into play in a, in a weird season. Right. Right. Uh, you mentioned Opoku. He's uh, there's two forwards that I'm very excited to see this year. To see, you know, just almost out of sheer curiosity, and that's Opoku and Christian Torres. Uh, Christian being, you know, the youngest. It's he's the youngest academy player to ever score in MLS. Right? Do I have that right? I believe so. Um, certainly the youngest for for LAFC. Either way, um, and then Opoku is one that came in 
didn't play a whole lot and then went straight to CCL and scores an absolute banger of a goal um, and also just looks deadly anytime he's got the ball at his feet or when he's closing people down. He's uh, even at the international level looks faster than everybody else on the field. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do with a full season. Um, I, I don't know how much he factors into the game plan week to week just because their LAFC in true LAFC fashion has wingers upon wingers upon wingers, right? So it's hard to, it's hard to know how often he's going to play uh, as anything more than a sub. But every time you see him, you I feel like I, I want to see more of him. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's that's kind of where we're going to be for this, like you said, you know, in this weird year where I think you're going to see things like that, where I think, you know, there's going to be games where, you know, maybe Vela or Rossi plays a 60-minute game and then they're going to have Opoku come in and just be that spark plug. And maybe that's his role. Maybe that's, you know, it's it's what we Latif was at it before, right? Yeah, the prior, old Latif blessing role, right? Mm-hmm. Prior, prior to him, be, you know, becoming a mainstay in the midfield, he was that guy that, after being worn down for 60 minutes by the, you know, that front three of, of Dio and Vela and Rossi, then all of a sudden Latif came in and just made life miserable for you, you know, because he yeah. was just buzzing around and doing his thing. And, you know, that may, you know, maybe that's both of their roles in this next year is basically you, you finish off games with those guys just being, you know, you know, just being pest on the press and just making life miserable for, you know, for opposing center backs and, and midfielders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, anything that, that really rounds out the roster, is there anything tactically or principle wise or anything that you think Bob should consider for this year? Anything but a back three. We haven't talked about this, but yeah, I mean, my, my thing is anything but a back three. Um, I, it's <laughs> like it, it's one of those things where you know the I was I was just thinking the other day I was like I'm, I'm not sure when the last you know when anything has of 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 value has been won with playing a back three because um, I really don't know I can't think of one right whether it's Champions League whether it's you know one of the big you know the big leagues in the world um, yeah I just don't it it's it's feels a bit outdated and it's not conducive to winning football in my opinion but again what do i know you know i'm a guy sitting behind a mic um but in in that sense i think tactically i think the biggest thing i think is going to be is again if 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 vela is going to be the guy that comes short and gets back to what he does best who's going to stretch the field, right? I think that's why Dio worked, actually worked really well with Vela is because he actually is a guy that could get in behind as Vela cut short, right? So Vela was the guy that was the quote-unquote false nine but cutting underneath from the right. And then Rossi and Dio made the runs. Um, whereas I think sometimes when Rodriguez was on the field, you know, you, there, there's not always a clear definition as to who's going to be those two guys that are moving because I'm not sure that's Rod, that was Rodriguez's best best role. So I think trying to figure out what's what's the best style for your you know for your forwards to play is going to be a is a question that I, I'm interested to look at. You know, and then obviously what 
where does the creativity come from this team? Right. Because mm. um, we don't play with a true 10. Right. And in teams that don't play with a true 10 in, in the 4 3 3, right? Like a Liverpool, for example, your creativity comes from the fullbacks. Can, are, are Palacios and the combination of, of um, Kim Moon Wan and, and Blackman going to be the creative force that LAFC needs? You know, or is one of the midfielders going to step up and become a facilitator? And in in the way that we would like, you know, that you know, maybe a man, and the way Manchester City plays, where you have a KDB that's sliding in passes, you know, and and the midfielders crashing, um, crashing the party. Again, it, it remains to be seen what the best strategy is going to be. I think we've been at our best when the when the fullbacks played a little bit more reserved at times and then the midfield was the one that was doing a lot more damage um you know when we had uh harvey and and beta um as compared to playing with the more advanced fullbacks because i've not i haven't quite seen it from palacios and i'm not sure what to expect from um wong and Bl- and blackman on the right side in terms of creativity so do we have the guys the personnel to do it maybe um but if not the question is: Are we willing to shift gears and play a more, play more conservatively down the flank, and then build from the middle a little bit more, a little bit more? And the you know the issue that comes with that is that teams that are bunkering and make it a lot more difficult to do that. So that's when you want those creative fullbacks. But again, I don't know if they can do it consistently. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like even though I watched this team so closely. Um, the past three years that I'm still not sure what some of these players are capable of accomplishing in MLS, to be honest. Like, not not that they're bad. It's just that, like, all right, well, can... Uh, I think Tristan Blackman and, and Diego Palacios clearly can play the attacking fullback role that, that Klopp asks of his fullbacks. Um, I think... Blackman is fully capable of playing as an inverted fullback as well that cuts inside and becomes part of the midfield all the way up to the attacking third. Um, but it is it is tough to say, all right, what exactly are they going to be tasked with and what are they capable of actually accomplishing? Um, Josh, are you ready for a bit of a rant on three back formations? Oh, let's do it. All right. So I'm not sure. I think Juventus won under Antonio Conte back in like, I don't know, 2011, 2012. But I mean, that's, that's Juve, that's Juve, right? In Serie A, like they win all the time. There's nothing exciting about that. I think Chelsea may have played some variation of it back in around the same time or maybe shortly after. Um, I don't know if that was under Conte or not, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Um, The three back formation bothers me so much, not because I think it's a bad way to play because I think many teams get to the same shape, whether they play with three center backs or two center backs. Um, But because it's always billed as the way, as a more attacking formation, and I cannot get my head around how that is possible. 
I don't understand how taking off a central midfielder or or an attack or you know uh, a forward and adding a center back makes it a more attacking formation simply because you now play with wing backs. So let's say you play in a three-five-two, right? Um, you have three center backs on the field. You have two wing backs who may or may not be forwards or may or may not be defenders, depending on how you play. Um, you have two midfielders and now you've got, and they're typically like eights, I guess. And then you have two strikers up top. And sometimes those are guys that, you know, they're like inverted wingers or they're just two strikers that play in line. It depends. There's a, there's a wide variation of how they could play. Um, do I have my numbers right? I think I do. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Um, anyway, so the idea of taking off a midfielder and adding a center back doesn't make any sense unless you have center backs who are amazing distributors. And some, some are, some are capable of doing this, right? Most of my frustration, I think comes from uh surprise, surprise U S men's national team, Twitter, who's always looking for the next way to free up quote unquote Dest and Robinson to do what they need. And I think you saw today Dest goes flying up the, the left flank and is able to score. And you don't have Greg Berhalter saying, Hey man, you need to get back where you're supposed to be because there's nobody back there to cover for you. It's just kind of granted, right? You're going to give up some space and some counterattacks down the, down your flanks. If your fullbacks are pushed high, but if you have good defenders, if you have a mobile six who can track back and you have a center back who can at least delay that attack down the flank, you're fine. That's Those are your three that are back there, right? And then in possession, that six is pushed higher than the central center back would be. Um, but it's, it's mind-blowing to me how often this comes up. And I, I understand that teams like Chelsea are employing it right now and they're, they look great. Tuchel seems to have uh, the magic touch with them and, you know, they're not conceding any goals. And I think there's a question on how much attacking they're getting done. Maybe they're the best case study for this, right? Where they have all of these wingers that they went out and bought and they still can't find the back of the net consistently. Um, even though they're not conceding goals anymore. And it's because their wingers, all their wide players are, are pinned back because it's inherently not a more attacking formation. Uh, I don't know that that's how, that's how I feel about this is you sacrifice a lot in the attack that could be accomplished with a mobile six. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, know I mean, that they're all the rage right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a combination of too much FIFA, right? Where you you play yeah. FIFA Ultimate Team and stick, you know, you're playing Ronaldo and Messi at left and right wing. You know, yep. it's just yep. it's just one of these things where I'm not. Yeah, I think it's just one of it's those. A lot, it's a it's a lot easier to come by, you know, uh, a couple of high high center backs like ranked in the high 80s than it is to come across. Uh, a right back and a left back that are ranked the same. Yeah. And then yeah. like you said, you can put these, uh, ungodly, um, wingers in the wing back position without messing with the team chemistry. And so it's a, it's a way to force more attackers onto the field in FIFA because 
your you're now playing world class forwards at the wing back position. I do agree. I, I think that has a lot to do with it, to be honest. Yeah, and so I mean, I think if if you're actually to play that way, you know, on the pitch, I think you're getting beat seven nothing most games. So, you know, again, the closest thing is that we're going to see, like you're saying, is you know what Tuchel's doing at Chelsea, but you know what are Chelsea anywhere near near the top of the table? No, right? So how effective? Yeah, really I mean, is it? the one thing I will say though is it's not necessarily Tuchel's fault. <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, but they got I mean, it. I mean, they got it way wrong with with Lampard. But but what um, was he doing in P- at PSG? Right with right with, right. You know, with the same thing. I'm like, is he was, was he playing he, three back three center backs at, at PSG yeah. too? Because I remember he had he had, he had Neymar playing in the hole, you know, in, in at the ten behind um Mbappe and Cavani at one point in that three okay. five two. Okay. Hmm. So and I mean then there's you know. a falling out there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean I think I think it really depends. I mean, again, I think you know, I think classic wing, you know, attacking wingers aren't gonna be happy, you know, having to track back and do what they have, you know, do the dirty work that you're going to ask them to defensively, you know, versus fullbacks. That's, you know, what they're, what they're meant to do, you know? So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, again, I think it, it really depends. Maybe international play, I think it works a little bit better because you, you know, I think it's inherently because of the lack of time that you have to prepare the, the style of play is inherently more counter attacking. But I think in, in a situation where, you know, you're trying to break down a defensive block. I, I'm that the three in the back is definitely not something that's gonna, you know, help you break down a low block. You know, in fact, it may right, be a little bit right. A little well, bit. Well, I mean, more the, the three in the back was all. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, it originally came about because so many teams are playing with two strikers, right? So mm-hmm. you play a three-five-two, and you have both those strikers bracketed. So your free man is actually like you're now attack like you've you've freed up a man from your back line because the other team is only attacking with two forwards whereas now it's all 433 or 4231 right so you consistently have three four five people in the five players in the attack um yeah but i mean so i need to borrow I, something I, that vince that vince said you know i think this is something that bob you know in regards to lfc has talked about right the formation is just the starting point, right? So right. how many times right. do we see, you know, a three five two develop because the six drops in between the two center backs and then the fullbacks yeah. push up. Right. And and so, they're and, in a, and and this, to me, like and I think maybe so underscoring your point there, um, when you look at the USMNT, for example, where people say go to three at the back. And you say, okay, so John Brooks is one of your center backs and he's probably the central center back, right? So now he's further back than he would be unable to play those passes that, that you want him to play. And you have, I don't know, Aaron Long apparently is still the number two center back. Um, I guess he's, he's your central center. He's your right-sided center back. I suppose if, if Brooks is your central one. And then you say, I don't know, let's say Richards is the left center back, right? Um, now all the onus is on Richards and Long to get the ball through the midfield. 
that's now their job, right? They kind of play in this triangle with Brooks at the back and those, those, the right and left center back are now the ones tasked with, with playing the initial ball in. Um, when you have the trap, you know, the makings of a, of a world-class midfield with all, you know, there's five or six midfielders for the U S right now that are all great. Um, so why would you take one of them off to make way for Aaron Long? And Aaron his, Long is worth $15 million currently. Not, I know. I Sometimes I feel bad that we pick on him. He's he's fine. He's fine as a defender, but he's not he's he's not a, a distributor, right? That's not what he does well. What he does well is run hard and and defend one-on-one. Okay. That's that's what he does, right? Um but it just boggles my mind that you'd want to take off one of Adams, Reyna, Musa, McKenney, Aronson, Legette to make way for Aaron Long. That's crazy talk to me. That it's just it's wild. Why would you do that? If they truly are just starting positions, like you're saying, which they are, why would you want Aaron Long playing where Weston McKenney should be? Yeah. I mean that's I, my biggest problem with this whole thing. And I think it comes from, you know, again, you have to know where where your strengths are, right? I mean, you look at our, when you look at a team like LAFC, right, we have so many quality midfielders, right? And a little less quality of a back line. So it yeah. makes perfect sense, you know, it makes perfect sense to play, you know, a 4-3-3 and then get more of those midfielders in there because they make more of a difference, right? And they can mm-hmm. do more versatile things, right? Um, same thing with the national team, right? It's like, do you really want, to have to force, you know, bootleg John Mayer into the back line and Aaron Long, um, <laughs> or or Matt Miazga or whatever, you know, when you have, like I said, world class, you know, guys who are playing at the, on the at the biggest leagues, you know, on the field and you know, yeah. and a, and a back two is going to be fine, especially against some of the teams that you're going to play in Concacaf, right? Again, it depends on on the there's a time and a place. Right, but again, you can play super defensive from a four four two or a four two three one. We see teams do it against LAFC all the time. That four two three one that looks like it's attacking because you have a, a, a bona fide, you know, you have a true number ten in there, right? Is usually like a six at the back, right? At, at times because yeah. you're just dropping. Well, that's in those- the thing. If you take if you take the midfield in a four two three one and flip it around, like invert it you have almost a 4-3-3, right? Mm-hmm. Except, so like the 4-2-3-1 is a 4-3-3, but with two sixes and your wingers are tucked in, are tucked further back. Yeah. Like that's why I, I, I frequently refer to it as just a 4-5-1 because mm-hmm. that's truly what it is in, in, my, in my opinion because you're asking your midfielders to play or your, your wingers to play more of a midfield role. Yeah. So I think, like I said, I mean, generally I think that the argument is, is semantic, but at the same time, I think, like I said, I think it comes from a point of frustration because I don't think the outcome is what is expected, um, right? Right. You know, in the long run. So. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, I think we just did 15 minutes on, uh, <laughs> on three man back lines. <laughs> we probably owe people an apology at this point. It's okay. I got the call. Aaron Long boot like John Mayer. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. That was a great one. All right. Well, 
we should probably get out of here. Uh, we're going to work on uh, a USMNT show probably sa- Sunday or Monday following the Olympic qualifier and the friendly against Northern Ireland. And maybe there should be some more LAFC news, or maybe we'll do a question show next week about LAFC. That might be fun. As well as uh, we're both going to continue contributing to our to our Substack. I think there's only a couple articles up there now, but with the season about to kick off, I think we'll be more regular. I'm going to work on the on the Moon article, the, his his video analysis, and I think Josh has a couple things planned. But you can you can follow us there as well. Um, you can follow the show at Counterpress underscore Josh LAFC Josh on Twitter. And me at Kirk Kinsey. Josh, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No. I mean, I think I said, I think we're just excited for the season to start. Can't come soon enough. Absolutely. I'm ready for, you know, with with Liverpool suffering through this injury crisis, I'm ready for LAFC to do something nice for my soccer, my soccer soul for a little, for the time being. Yeah. It's time. It's time. All right. Well, Josh, you have a good night and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. (laughs)